All right, guys, so today we have uh, with us Tomer Sharoni, a highly accomplished entrepreneur and expert in Web3 space uh, with a background in computer science and software engineering. Tomer has accumulated more than a decade in experience uh, in the tech industry. He worked uh, with the companies like Wix, LiquidM, and he really honed the skills that contributed to his success. Currently, Tomer is the CEO and co-founder of Addressable, a truly groundbreaking Web3 platform that we'll discover and unfold uh, in, in the episode. Um, and we'll really uncover and, and talk more about uh, what Addressable is doing, but basically it enables businesses to create and manage decentralized identities, ensuring privacy and security for their users. So first of all, Tomer, thanks for coming. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for coming and joining uh, in the sunny, I would say it's pretty sunny here in Tel Aviv. Yes, and thank you for having me in this uh, beautiful office. Yes, thanks for uh, ThinkUp too. Uh, important to say th uh, thank you for the facilities and for the studio that they, they are offering us. Um, so thanks for that too. Um, can you give us, first of all, let's start with a brief overview, overview uh, of Addressable and what led you to create the company? Yeah, so um, we are three co-founders, uh, Asaf, Tomer, and myself, mm -hmm. uh, who came from background of cybersecurity. So we were working for more than 15 years in uh, different types of cyber uh, industries. We were in the government for the military and uh, uh, for many, many years. And then uh, each one of us moved to the, um, to the private sector. Uh, uh, and cybersecurity is, of course, uh, a lot about data. So we were chasing fraudsters and hackers and different types of uh, companies. My partners worked at Akamai for many years. I worked at the Salt Security. Uh, working with uh, um, huge databases of uh, uh, anonymous activities that we have to uh, identify different types of malicious actors. And in this field of cybersecurity, um, we were all very uh, exposed to the crypto world and different types of uh, exposures. Um, During your service? Uh, no, no, in the private sector. Mm -hmm. So the, the military service and the uh, uh, different types of activities in in the governmental sector were not really related to crypto, but then each one of us moved to uh, 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 a company and a private sector position. So my partner Asaf was uh, director of data science at Akamai. Mm -hmm. So he worked uh, uh, directly on on cybersecurity projects of detecting malicious activities. And in his academic career, in his uh, master's degree and PhD, he worked on building a new uh, consensus mechanisms for blockchains. My partner Tomer was the CTO of Cinemedia. Cinemedia uh, worked with Chainalysis and other uh, blockchain security companies to chase uh, to chase different types of criminals in the crypto world. Um, and I was at Salt Security, where I worked with centralized exchanges uh, to find different types of attacks in the world of uh, uh, crypto. And each one of us had also a hobby of of doing some trading, doing some uh, different types of mining. Uh, a few years ago, um, I was uh, um, trading NFTs in, in the past year or so, the, the year past, the year before we started the company. So each one of us had a different types of uh, hobbies in the crypto world, but we never worked on this as our main job. And we all wanted to um, make this new and exciting world our main focus. So that's not just a hobby. Yeah, so that's like the backstory of the, the team and the founders, the co-founders, I would say. If you can give us like a brief overview, I'm sure you're pretty familiar with, with giving a speech, a, a quick speech, I would say, um, about Addressable. So what's the, for the audience that are not, still not familiar with Addressable, what's the so problem that you're solving? Give us a, like a brief overview. Wonderful. So... Addressable solves the problem of user acquisition in Web3. Um, Web3, or the crypto world, is uh, characterized by anonymous activity. People have their wallets, they're anonymous, but they can buy and purchase things like tokens and different assets in games and different collectibles um, that are called NFTs. Um, and the activity in the crypto world is, um, is not just anonymous, but also has uh, a new culture, how to be active in a community, how to be part of something, not just a, as a consumer, mm -hmm. just someone who buys shoes somewhere, but someone who's actively promoting a project, being part of a game and the community behind the game. 
And, and the two characteristics of the crypto Web3 world today are anonymous activity of wallets and community-driven uh, relationship with businesses, with different types of uh, uh, non-profit projects and, and, and different types of developer communities. So in general, these two characteristics make user acquisition or, or business activity in, in promoting their new business very hard. Hmm. Why is that? One reason is that people are not contactable or they're not addressable in the, the regular ways. They don't, usually they don't share their email or their phone number with a business. Um, usually they're not active in, um, in the ways um, that are communicatable. Uh, they're not very active with their own name in most of the projects. And the other thing that is very, very uh, popular in crypto or in Web3 is to make the community the most uh, prominent part of your communication, of your business engagement. And then it's very hard for businesses to be part of, to build a new community, going from the ground up. So you're talking about the differences between, I would say, marketing in Web3, which is like still using the same old traditional ways of Web2. And you're talking now about the difficulties of actually addressing and targeting the right audiences using their wallets, for instance, or all their on-chain activity, on, or on-chain data, I would say, more broadly speaking. Um, and your bottom line, that you're providing that solution, you're kind of connecting between these two. So with this problem of, mm -hmm. of actually contacting users or, or customers for a new business or for an existing business, growing outside of the community boundaries to new markets, to new target users, um, this problem is huge. It's, and, and, and it's huge because there's no, no way to know who's interested in what you have to offer and there's no way to communicate. And then what Addressable brings to the world mm -hmm is a way to actually connect the world, the audiences on Web2 and the, the, the anonymous identifiers of Web2 with anonymous identifiers on Web3. So it actually connects wallets to uh, anonymized identities of Web2, social identities mostly, and then it enables targeting those Web3 users in different places, mostly social networks, and this way of, 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 of this connection in, in data between, um, between the users and the communities from Web3 into Web2 enables the second thing, which is communication. Mm -hmm. You can actually communicate over advertisements, over influencers, over different types of old-fashioned digital marketing. Yeah. Um, you can actually communicate with your target audience in, with high accuracy. And what we saw in, 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 in the world of Web3 marketing is that it's very nascent. People haven't used a lot of the very advanced technologies of Web2 marketing because of these two problems, uh, the identification and the communication. And when we brought to the world the connection between Web3 and Web2, we opened a whole new world of options Definitely. to Web3 marketers. And this is exciting because now everything that was done before is possible with the best technologies and the best advancements, advancements of what was happening on Web2 in the last 20 years. Yep. It's a lot of advancement. And, and digital marketing has advanced a lot over 20 years since the beginning of Google. Yep. And, um, and what we see today is that with these connections that are privacy-preserving, anonymous, building on huge audiences, it's actually possible to do market research. It's possible to know where your audience, your target audience is actually hanging out. It's possible to see who are these audiences in, in large bulks, in, in thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions. And it's possible to engage with these audience in a targeted way with advertisements, with influencers, with other means of actually everything that marketers want to do now is possible with their old tech. And it's also possible to measure, to attribute, to do the attribution, what campaigns have worked, brought us the right people who actually bought something, and what campaigns haven't worked, and we could shut them down. So this marketing stack 
of market research and segmentation and engagement and measurements attribution is now possible again with these connections. And this is the vision and the practicum, the, the actual things that we're doing in Addressable. You mentioned about your team, the, the, vest, the, the experience that you had in the cybersecurity field, both in the, your military career and in the private sector later on. I want to talk with you about the on-chain data um, and ask you more directly um, regarding that. How does Addressable ensure the data privacy and security while managing the, the user data? Because um, I think it's, it's something that we are, you talked about, social identities, and we're seeing uh, public blo blockchains and anonymous blockchains. How are you addressing that? That's a great question. So we're building a marketing company in 2023 in the culture of privacy that has evolved through the years. It's not that Web3 is new in terms of, uh, or, or marketing is new. We have marketing standards to comply with and privacy standards to comply with. And these privacy standards have evolved over the last 20 years. So mm -hmm. we have to make sure that whatever we do is preserving users' privacy, is compliant with GDPR and other standards that are, uh, have evolved over the past years. And we have to make sure that the marketing is effective. And this is possible in Web3 because the anonymized nature of this medium. So we take anonymized wallets that have no identifier, we connect them with anonymized um, social IDs in a statistical way. We don't have to say this person is that person. We have to say this audience is that audience. Okay. And we could do that with high accuracy without exposing an individual, any individual, and without actually saying who's who. Um, it's and, it's and actually, sorry for interrupting, it's actually kind of the same like we, if I'm, I want to compare it to the Web2 world, like Facebook, I'm, I'm targeting specific demographic, maybe I'm adding an interest or something like that, I'm creating this mix, eventually I'm not seeing the, the, the person itself, I'm seeing the, the type of the demographic, the, maybe it shows me the size of the demographic that I'm addressing and who is relevant and how big is the audience, but bottom line, I'm not seeing the, the actual person or the, the entire group. Yes, that's true, and the, the social networks are built exactly for that. So we can actually upload a, a, a hashed list of, of IDs mm -hmm. of a specific audience to a social network so that the client or the, the advertiser doesn't know who are the people, and we don't know who are the people, but we, we just connect those audiences together in a way that makes it very, um, very, very, very accurate for advertising, but it's not possible to identify the, the a person to, on a person-to-person -person basis. And it's also very important to say that what, the way we do these connections between Web3 and Web2 are statistical. We take the characteristics of each wallet, the characteristics of each ID on a social network, and we find correlations. So we can define what percentage of accuracy we need. And good enough for marketing is not 100%. So 90% 90% is good enough for marketing. It means that we can connect people in a group and say, oh, this group is 90% of this group, so this is the right audience for this uh, campaign. And we don't have to pinpoint a person and say, oh, this wallet belongs to that ID. It's also very important for us to do that statistical ambiguity to make sure that even the data itself doesn't contain the connections and, and that even us are not exposing anything internally so we, we maintain this ambiguity. We connect wallets to IDs in a statistical way that is good enough for marketing, but it's not good enough for chasing criminals. Yep. You can't say, oh, this is the name of this wallet that has just uh, uh, done this thing, this bad thing. And, and in this way, we make sure that, A, we, we, we have two advantages here. One, we don't allow any kind of pinpointing, and two, in a 90% accuracy mode, it's, it's, we have more it's matches. More than good enough. We have yeah. more matches. Yeah. We have way more people that we can address mm -hmm. with this level of accuracy. And then we, we offer more to marketers. There are a lot of Web3 builders, I would say, that are listening now to the podcast, hopefully. <laughs> what would you say, and you talked briefly about a few of the use cases, I would say, for them to, to use Addressable. Besides that, um, you, you, you mentioned Mostly, it's, it's, it, it helps with, the, with social activity on the network of Web2 platforms. You said mostly. Besides that, what else? So, the way we see it, 
any business needs to run, uh, uh, that, that any business that, that has digital activity um, wants to create a community and wants to communicate with their users and wants to acquire new users. And all of these activities uh, and, 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 and all of these activities are common in Web 2 and Web 3. The, the Web 3 builders that are talking to us all the time, co-founders and different business owners and different builders, are always um, chasing this kind of social proof and, 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 and social followers, are chasing a lot of um, buzz in the industry instead of chasing real users, real use cases. And, and when they come to us, we offer, them th we offer something very, very uh, uh, unique, which is how to, how to talk to the right people, to the real users that you have or you want to have. It's something new, completely new. It's a whole new business. It's a, a new NFT marketplace or a new game, or it's a new trading protocol or a DeFi protocol. Who are the first users? How do you get to them? How do you make it, uh, how do you make your company relevant to those users? How do you communicate with them with a, with a very high uh, uh, effectivity? What we see in many communities that have just been built by, for new businesses is that they're full of, um, full of people that are random uh, or not very relevant to the, what the business is actually doing. And when builders come to us, we say, look, you can actually address those, those real users of what you have to offer of what you're building and, and avoid the noise. There's a lot of noise in Discord servers. There's a lot of noise in Twitter follower groups of a new business because it's noisy with people that are not using your product, that are not really going to invest in your protocol. And at the beginning, you don't, you don't want this noise. You want it in maybe later stages, yep. but the builders want to begin with actual users. Yes. And the noise comes afterwards, but to begin with the real users, the real people that are actually trading, playing games, trading NFTs, investing in different protocols, that's very, very efficient. And this is where builders are using the product. You talked about a lot of, again, the, the cybersecurity aspect. And eventually, although it has a lot of components of, of data and security, it's a marketing um, company, I would say, more than anything, the product itself and what you're doing. I'm curious, why did you came up with that specific solution that you're, you're, you want to, to solve? Because initially, maybe I'm wrong and maybe I missed something, but none of the co-founders has any experience. I wouldn't say any experience, but expertise in marketing. So what led you to, to solve that specific problem? That's a great question. We, we started the company together as uh, uh, and, and we started with the market research. So we said, okay, why do we have, uh, we, we have to combine two things here when we find the business case that mm -hmm. we want to solve. A, we have to be, um, we, we have to bring some very unique expertise from our background that can actually crack this market uh, or this business problem uniquely and, and in the best possible way in the world. We have to be the best team in the world to solve this problem. And B, we have to find a business case that is big enough, that the problem will be big enough, enough total addressable market to make, you know, to make a business case that is worth for, for a VC-backed company. And, and two small problems are just not good enough. Um, so we started our market research uh, of course, we started playing with ideas of cybersecurity for Web3. And we knew we wanted to be in Web3 because we loved this domain. We worked with different types of uh, 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 problems in this domain. Um, so we started with Web3 cybersecurity or fraud detection. And there's a lot of fraud in yep. Web3. So there's a lot of cybers, cyber hacks in the Web3. Um, but we did see that there are a lot of companies that are emerging in this space. Especially uh, in Israel. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so there's, there's quite a lot of energy and entrepreneurial energy uh, and talent that are being poured into this space of cybersecurity for 
um, for Web3 companies or Web3 traders or crypto traders. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, um, there's a lot of things in, in, in fraud detection and in hack, cyber hacks detection. And, and we also saw that the fields of uh, user acquisition, the fields of, of marketing are, are, there's a big gap over there without big energy being poured into the space. And they, the, the other thing is that we brought a lot of background in AI and big data. So big data of hundreds of millions yeah. of anonymous data points uh, that we were analyzing before. And, and we, we saw that this business problem of user acquisition, of growing outside of the community, which is um, it's common to any business in Web3. Any business in Web3 wants to grow outside of their community to bring new users inside. And we said, okay, instead of chasing the bad guys, the fraudsters, the hackers. Let's help the good guys. Let's, let's find the good guys. And the people who are looking for the good guys on these um, worlds of big data are the marketers. So we can help the marketers find the good guys instead of helping the fraud detection finding the bad guys on the same data set. It's an interesting thought process. Um, and and by you, you're, you're mentioning that you found the solution. You found it from just brainstorming between the co-founders and then initially come up with few ideas that you validated? Or it, was it a specific one that you brainstormed? You, you told yourself basically, all right, we came to that conclusion that marketing, that's the niche, I would say, or maybe the sub-niche that we are aiming to, to solve. And from that, let, let's dig deeper and see how exactly we can solve that. Was that kind of the thought process or you went, started talking with more peers, colleagues, potential users, like the traditional way of actually validating a need for a startup? So it actually takes uh, a long time, um, a few months, and, and it takes a lot of conversations where you learn from each conversation and you adapt to the market. So it, it doesn't happen in a, in a room. Mm -hmm. uh, of brainstorming. It happens after, uh, I think, 100 customer calls or potential customer calls that in each and every call you adapt, you build new uh, ideas or you test current ideas. And, and let's say we started from, from cybersecurity uh, for Web3. We found a lot of needs in the market. We found a lot of uh, uh, potential business in this market and we found a lot of question marks in this specific business case around different types or, or different problems with the problem. So the business problem is the main thing you look for uh, at the beginning of a business and, and the business problem is evolving as you talk to more customers but it doesn't happen in a brainstorm uh, uh, in, in, in a closed room. It always happens uh, with customer calls or potential customer calls. And this is the way to go. So when you start with a specific thesis and you talk to a few cust potential customers, you adapt the thesis or adapt the, the problem and the s possible solution mm -hmm. to whatever you heard or whatever you found out, and then it evolves. And then there are some decision points where you say, okay, this is good enough or not good enough. Should we look for new uh, uh, new signs of, of other businesses, or should we stick to this problem and, and dig deeper? Um, and this discovery process is, um, is a lot of fun. We, we definitely, it's, it's super enjoyable to, to be able to talk to so many people to understand what they do today and how they, how they solve their problems today, how they bridge those gaps today in any field. Um, and it's also a lot of fun to, to see this, um, this uh, aha moment of, all right, so this is a gap that everybody's talking about, but nobody's addressing yet. Um, or the other part is, oh, this is a gap everybody's talking about, but nobody knows how to solve and we don't know how to solve it. So it's also about the solution, not just the problem. And we evolved with the, the conversations with the market research and we evolved from cyber to fraud to different types of um, ideas about accounting different gaps that we found out in other regions until we found out this user acquisition problem This is that is huge, that is unaddressed by any startup today, not, not addressed by any startup today, and very, very 
uh, unique to our set of skills and unique to our set of uh, 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 to, to our knowledge uh, of the world and what we could do to solve it. I, I want to ask before we are diving deeper and then going to other questions about the the stage of let's call it ideation and validation all right of the of the problem that you're trying to solve you mentioned that you and YC also always talks about it not not asking about the specific features that you, you are planning to, to to do but focusing more on the problem itself focusing on the customer journey I would say what happens before getting a context before and after the he encounters the problem and as you've said finding these gaps Um, and, and patterns, if you're talking with hundreds or dozens of, of uh, customers, wh which other advices would you say for other Web3 builders that are currently trying to ideate and validate their, their ideas? So I think in Web3 we have a unique uh, business uh, uh, or market structure mm -hmm. where there are a lot of builders at the moment who address a small market, the Web3 market as a whole is a small market. Um, and, and each business has to come out or each builder and each startup has to come out with two things. A, how to sell something right now that is relevant to the market right now in the small market of crypto and Web3. And, and to make sure that there, there is a business case and a real problem that they solve right now for the current size of the market, for the current amount of businesses, users, And, uh, and, and money that is inside this market right now. So this is one. And the second is, of course, how to be relevant uh, uh, in the as, long term as this market grows. Yep. And I see a lot of businesses, a lot of developers that we're talking to are very that are, are, are aiming for for the moon. And this is also a, a common saying uh, in the field. But when you aim to the moon, you have to be uh, also uh, um, with the feet on the ground and and It means that at all times, builders have to sell something in order to make sure that the business case is relevant, it's real, it's, you know, there's an urgency to pay and, and willingness to pay by customers. And, and on those same times, to be very relevant for the, for the times where this business grows, this market grows, and, and to make sure that you can capture the growth as it happens. Um, or in, in a, when the bull, run hop, the bull run happens, that you're relevant, you have enough uh, assets, and you have enough uh, um, accuracy in your, in your business, in your product, that it captures the growth. And I think it's true in any market, not just Web3, but in this market of Web3, it's super crucial. And I see a lot of businesses that are targeting to the moon, but are not with their feet on the ground, or vice versa, they are with their feet on the ground, they're selling it's something. It's not scalable enough. Selling something very concrete mm -hmm. um, to businesses right now in the space, but it's not scalable or it will be lost as an asset when the market grows very fast. Although it's a generic question, I must ask how you, you're increasing the odds of finding that balance. How would you tackle that? So we started this business with these two Uh, key questions. How are we relevant right now? Mm -hmm. and how are we relevant in the future? And we built a very, um, a very profound um, and, and stable data layer uh, that can make all types of applications very easy to develop. So we connected Web3 and Web2 audiences in the millions in order to build different tooling and different tools for marketers. So market research, mm -hmm. segmentation and audience building, engagement, meaning that we enable ads and enable influencer uh, marketing to targeted, very targeted audiences and measurements and attribution. And we, um, our discovery process never ends. It's, uh, it's a constant process of selling what we have, selling the current product that is actually enabling targeted ads on Web3 audiences uh, in a few clicks uh, and measuring the success of these campaigns very fast and very accurately on these Web3 users. And the other part is, of course, discovering all the time with the current customers and, and prospective customers 
what are the next use cases that we must develop. So the discovery process is never stopping, and it's actually uh, it's faster when you have more customers because you have sure. more people to talk to all yeah, the time. More feedback. And you get more feedback about what are the biggest business cases that you should solve next. And that's exciting because you get to see a larger portion of the market every month when you have more and more customers. So you get this discovery process running faster and you have to make your company super adaptive. Adapt, adapt faster, yeah. Super adaptive to this discovery process. That start, so, so, so the discovery is running faster. So you have to deliver faster in order to capture those needs uh, in a way that makes everything grow. And you need to make sure the system is efficient enough and uh, reliant enough in terms of like a, the data of the users that they're providing constantly, whether through service, I guess, or just talking with them, which I'm actually curious about. Now you're scaling. You're still talking with a lot of the, a lot of the users, or there, there are too many, and you're focusing, and you're maybe talking with some of them, obviously, on a, on a constant basis, but eventually it's too much, and you're applying other virtual, more virtual ways to, to do that. So at this stage of the startup, it's, it's crucial that we speak and listen to each and every customer. But unlike uh, six months ago, or when we were um, 10 developers and uh, one uh, to two people actually in the, in the, in the business unit, uh, which is myself and the operations manager, uh, Chris, now we are 10 developers, or 12 actually, and five people at the business unit, so head of marketing, head of sales, head of product, mm -hmm. um, and the two of us. And, and we all have to talk to customers very, uh, uh, on a daily basis, and we all bring a lot of business power now into the field where, unlike five months ago when we were just builders, because there is a lot more to, to talk about, there are a lot more customers to talk to, and there's also sales process that has to run way faster now. Yeah, for sure. For sure, you, you, we talked about the, we started to talking about more about the future, and then so I want to ask you about the future of addressable and the future of Web3 marketing. C can you share maybe more of the you talked about use cases and features, anything that you are working on and that, that you can say now? I would I guess in in, a, in the podcast or maybe potential use cases even for Web3 marketing that you you will see it or you predict and um, that are we are gonna see uh, evolving more. And um, whether or not it's, again, for foot on the ground for now or maybe in the future once we'll have more adoption and these solutions uh, will be more relevant. Yes. Um, yes, of course. We, we are building a, an infrastructure that is based on data. So mm -hmm. this big data of, of, of tens of millions of connections between Web3 and Web2 web uh, users and, and audiences uh, enables a lot of applications. So... And, and we see the marketing, uh, uh, the marketing uh, needs are th that are exactly the same as Web two. There are needs in market research and segmentation of audiences and in engagement and in measurement and attribution. And what we build is a set of applications on top of this data that will enable all of these things to happen. The vision for the long term, of course, is to make this infrastructure available for other developers to build other applications on top of this data, on, on top of this infrastructure. So into the marketing stack that we create uh, and the marketing infrastructure that we create, we will enable other builders and developers uh, uh, to, to bring new knowledge and new expertise on top of this data and on top of this uh, um, ecosystem. Um, this ecosystem is actually very flexible um, and it's based on huge uh, chunks of data uh, that we have to update all the time. We have to, um, you know, open an API so that each and every one could build uh, an application on top of that. And, um, and the vision for, for the long term is, of course, to enable uh, uh, Web3 marketing to be as rich and powerful as Web2 marketing with the nuances of the culture of Web3, more privacy, um, more community-led uh, uh, a growth, more community-led growth, and, and actually um, more participation of users in, in, in different aspects of, of business life. Can, can you explain a bit more about the, the point of 
users and other builders bringing more data into the ecosystem? Yeah, so when we start to open up this infrastructure for more applications and builder to, to build on, means that we will enable more, um, more, um, more application builders to use the data that we have, the, mm -hmm. the blockchain data, the social network data, and the connections between them uh, in a way that makes, um, makes a communication with the user uh, uh, possible uh, or a communication with an audience possible in more ways. Um, right now we enable different types of advertising or different types of influencer marketing. Um, there are a lot of other companies that bring other, other means of communication to the table. There are uh, companies like uh, uh, wallet communication, so Ethermail and others, that enable different types of communications over, uh, over wallets. Uh, there are companies that are building social networks for Web3 that uh, may grow faster uh, and actually promote themselves or promote specific uh, audiences in those networks through our infrastructure and the connection of other um, marketing tech into this ecosystem is also, uh, is also possible um, in terms of attribution, adding attribution startups or, or, uh, or finding the, the CRMs of the Web3 world uh, extracting data or connecting to this user acquisition system. Mm -hmm. So the ecosystem of marketing can actually cooperate in terms of um, different use cases. Very, very uh, similar to the way Web2 marketing companies are cooperating. So we're now talking to ad networks, CRMs, attribution companies. Um, and a lot of them are very happy to cooperate, talk about real integrations because they know that what we bring and what they bring is very powerful together. We talked about the, the future now, but I, I, wanna, I wanna go a little bit backwards um, and talk more, more about the entrepreneurial journey. You mentioned the prior, uh, the, the beginning of the podcast that the three of you had a lot of experience and interest and it was kind of a hobby, but actually trying and, and not only trying, but up until now succeeding very well and in creating and founding a company in that field, in that industry, I would say. What are the challenges that you, you went through um, and that are specifically, you, won't in, you, 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 you will encounter them only in Web3, I would say, and not in, in, other, uh, in, other, uh, in other industries, I guess. Um, maybe because it's quite early, if we're looking macro. Um, we have the, the aspect of all the data and things that we, we went through. And so one, one challenge that you, you faced uh, that I would say may, maybe was the biggest or the hardest uh, that maybe you didn't even expect at the beginning. So I think we could divide the different challenges into two sections. One is the section of starting a startup in a, in a place or a, a business case that we didn't address before or in a field that you're not coming from. It's a very, uh, 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 it's, it's a t topic that a lot of founders are talking about, which is, can you start startups or can you start a company in a field you didn't come from? And that is the first thing uh, uh, we had to tackle um, because we were not in Web3 companies before and we were not building crypto companies before. And, and it's a whole new business arena. Um, and it's relevant as, as a topic, starting something new in the field you didn't work in before. And the other thing is how to start a Web3 or a crypto business when you're not coming from Web3. And it has its own uh, challenges. So let's start from the first one. So, Going into a new business means you have to build a new network of connections, mm -hmm. a new network of customers that are actually looking up to you and saying, you will be the expert that helps me solve the problem. So you build on a specific skill set that you're bringing in from a different domain into this new domain. And, and the biggest challenge is building the network, talking to, to those customers, getting to the market, the go-to-market part, and, and 
after building the network, building the, uh, a, a call it the, the white coat effect. So you want- The white coat effect, but you're, you're talking about the doctors, uh, like, like a doctor, you're comparing it to a doctor, that's the expert part, the part that you talked about. Exactly, so you bring uh, uh, some expertise from other fields and you have to uh, tell your customer, look, I'm wearing here the white coat because I was doing this and that before, and this is what, this is the social proof for me as an entrepreneur to be relevant for your problem. And not just relevant, but an expert in solving your problem. So this is the, 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 the biggest challenge in starting a new company in a new field, that you, in a domain that you're not part of initially. Um, so we had to build this network, so to connect with customers all across the all over the world that are um, marketers in this field uh, of you know cornerstone companies in this field, and uh, that are actually the most relevant and biggest in Web three and crypto in order to to build this network, and so it's it's a lot of work in networking, into and, and getting to 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 you know to real you know, real conversations that are full of trust and full of openness uh, with people that are in a new field, a new network. Mm -hmm. And secondly, um, bringing the white coat into the conversation, um, meaning that we had to, A, learn very fast, and B, use our prior expertise, uh, bring a lot of our expertise into the field. So it has to be a problem that we have a lot of expertise in how to solve uh, or a very difficult problem. So we brought a lot of the data expertise into marketing of Web3. Of web now, marketing in Web2 is full of data expertise. It's like yeah, the, the, big, sure. the biggest data business uh, or one of the most biggest data businesses in the world, marketing in Web2. And, and this is why it enabled us to bring our data expertise into Web3. And there was a gap, not a lot of data people, mm -hmm. of not a lot of data science people, not a lot of big data engineers in the field. In Web3. In marketing. In marketing Web3. in Web3, all right. Yes, exactly. Um, the other part mm -hmm. is how to start a business in Web3, which has its own unique characteristics. Um, first of all, Web3 is a small world. So you have to be part of those uh, very small networks of a few businesses in DeFi and a few businesses in centralized exchanges and a few blockchains and a few NFT marketplaces. You want to be part or you want to get in touch with very few, like a few hundreds of businesses first. And you have to, you cannot, you, there, it's not like the, the Web2 world where you have hundreds of thousands or potential, you know, millions of potential customers that are big enough. Um, so in Web3, you want to be part of this very small ecosystem very fast. Even, even within that small ecosystem, we are still very tribal and we have all these small communities and small networks and... Yeah, so what we had to do is to, to be in conferences, meet people face to face, use digital marketing uh, uh, or use our own products to get to the right businesses very fast. Uh, and we, we did that, we used our own product uh, very well in order to get to the right businesses, to get to the right people, to, to, to get to meaningful conversations and to build trust with a very small group of businesses that define this new sector, um, that define the cornerstone businesses that are the main drivers of innovation in this sector um, and that have good business case, meaning that they are actually profitable, they're actually having a real business in the Web3 space mm -hmm. and that we can help them grow. Can, can you share maybe a pivotal moment that you experienced during the, the journey with Addressable? One, one thing, the, the story during the, this long journey that will just uh, hopefully continue uh, more and more, but one, through the, the journey of building, maybe up until the, the first uh, round that you raised, one pivotal moment. Yes. I think that we've, we've met a lot of people that said different things about their needs. And after a while, we started meeting a lot of marketers that are saying 
many things about their pains and gaps in the fields of, of marketing, but we, um, we didn't actually understand the, um, the depth of the problem until we met um, actually the marketing team of the Lens Network, it's a social network, mm -hmm. that, that the, and, and they said, look, people are not coming into Web3 or uh, creators are not coming. People are not coming because they cannot actually meet their audience in Web3. They're, they're like, there is a big separation, let's say a singer or a football club that have a lot of fans. They are having a huge problem in moving into Web3 or creating loyalty, you know, collectibles, loyalty programs, uh, different types of, um, of uh, you know, raffles in Web3 mm -hmm. because they cannot identify the people that they're seeing in their concerts or they're seeing in their fan clubs and they cannot connect these two worlds in a way that is continuous. And then the continuity is broken and they have some Web3 activities and super fans in Web3 that they're not, not really sure who they are. And they have super fans in, in concerts and, and football games that they know who they are, but they cannot connect these two worlds and they're avoiding Web3 uh, because of these, or, or they're trying Web3, but they're not very successful because of that, because of this huge gap between the, the business that are doing online and the, and the business they're doing uh, in real life. And this lack of continuity, mm -hmm. it wasn't a hard moment for us to say, okay, we need to create some kind of continuity between the, the worlds in order to make businesses more efficient and to, to bridge this huge gap of, of doing business online in Web3 and doing business in real life uh, with your current fans or, or customers. A lot of what you're talking about is, you talk now about the actually bridging the, the, this gap of Web3 and the real world, or let's call it even the online world, but in Web2. Addressable is heavily relying on the future of Web3 to become more and more adaptive because you want to bridge more and more people from Web3 to Web2. What, what do you think is the, and we're often hearing about the better UX and not talking about the jargon of Web3 and actually um, marketing or just talking about the benefits themselves and we've seen a lot of great examples whether from Starbucks or Reddit and a lot of other bigger companies. What do you think will actually help uh, if, if, we can, if you can say one or maybe one to two things that are really are the key points for us, the, the Web3 builders, I would say, to, to really see that, that adoption coming? I think that Web3 in general is a technology and not uh, something we should rely on as the only reason to use a product. Um, meaning that a new product has to bring something to your world and to be good enough for you in order to use it on top of other products that you're using in the same field. So it has to win in all, in all categories uh, uh, your current Web2 product in anything that you do, unless it has to offer something very new that you couldn't do before. So any product, no matter what technology it uses, has to bring new value to your world. And then whatever is happening in Web3 has to create new experiences, has to be easier to use, has to be faster and more enjoyable and more affordable than whatever you used before in the same field. So, so regardless of the technology, whether you can call it Web3, you can call it crypto, regardless of the technology that you're leveraging, it needs to be the best possible solution to the, the use case that you're solving. Exactly. So we saw, we, it started with financial trading. So we mm -hmm. saw that fin you know, trading uh, specific uh, assets on, on crypto are, is faster, easier, uh, more accessible, um, more profitable, um, and you know, more enjoyable in terms of risk and reward. Uh, could be riskier, but re with higher rewards. And, and the financial use case uh, for trading and uh, for um, cross-the-border payments, cross-border payments, and, um, and was, was actually very, very visible to private users and institutional users, and, and, and also created great 
appetite for this kind of trading. So, so also in terms of uh, sentiment, uh, people like it. Uh, and this is why it is successful. So DeFi or centralized exchanges at the beginning, now centralized exchanges in DeFi enable something that people want. And people are actually enjoying it, making a profit or taking a lot of risks and, and sometimes making a profit. So, so in general, when something new happens, it has to offer a real use case with real value uh, on top of anything that was there before. And, in, and then comes the question, okay, what other use cases happen? Like, are, are, what other use cases are, are good enough here in order to, to get to the mass market, not just for a niche mm -hmm. group of fans? Uh, so is gaming, building on Web3, becoming uh, the next big thing? I think, indeed, yes. Um, games that are building on Web3 have to adapt to mass market, meaning they have to offer uh, very easy onboarding into the game or le frictionless experience. Mm -hmm. How to start the game, how to start to play, frictionless experience, they have to offer uh, composability uh, in order to, to make the assets in the game that are tradable on Web3 actually worthwhile outside of the game. And, um, and it, it's a great use case that is being built as we speak uh, with you know, thousands or tens of thousands of games that are building on Web3 and um, experimenting these new use cases and what are the best ways to, um, to make games more enjoyable uh, in the long term. Um, the other use cases, of course, are uh, different types of NFT use cases like loyalty clubs, ticketing, different types of, uh, um, of secondhand trading, um, of tickets, for instance, uh, different types of um, fan clubs, like music, music, musicians and sports clubs that are adding uh, layers of NFTs and, and real monetizable prizes into their fan clubs. Uh, so we see a lot of things that are happening and, uh, and they all have to answer the first thing I said. They have to be better than anything that was there before in order to conquer the, the market. Because eventually the vast majority of the users don't care whether it's Web3 or whether it's another different technology. They care about the actual game or whatever the use case might be, being yeah. the best solution possible. It has to be a new experience. It has to be fun. Mm -hmm. It has to be enjoyable in a new way. Um, it could be more affordable or more expensive. It depends, of course, on the value. It depends on the experience. It depends, of, depends on what it really brings uh, uh, to their life. All right, so unfortunately we, we, we don't have uh, much time left, so I think we'll go to the last uh, segment of the podcast of 10 minutes, uh, 10 questions in 10 minutes or less, mainly about yourself, your preferences. Um, ready? Mm -hmm. All right, so um, which book has greatly influenced your uh, life um, or is your go-to gift for others? Let's make it easier. So... Um I love to read. I loved many books. Uh, as a teenager, um, there was uh, there was no. It's actually funny to say, but as a teenager, I read a lot of um, uh, science fiction. Uh, but only in my twenties, uh, uh, the series of Harry Potter came out. And although it's not a very adult thing to say, like uh, I'm almost 40 and uh, I read a lot of books in the past years. I did love Harry Potter 20 years ago more than I loved any, any book before. So the experience was very, very uplifting of reading the series of books. And in the past few years, I've read it to my daughter. Um, I have three daughters, so... Um, uh, we're now reading it to our second daughter, but we read it to our first daughter, all the seven books, as an adult. And I went through the experience of, di of, of, of discovering this amazing world of fantasy with her. And, and I think this experience was even better than my first read of these books that are fantastic. And, and I know it's not an, a very, you know, I could have said something about a very serious... Yeah, about a non-fiction book, about finance or... Uh, yeah, very, decision. very, yeah. Uh, you know, a very uh, adult book. But it's, 
it's the experience of reading Harry Potter with my daughter was so amazing um, that I can say, I can definitely say that these, are, these books have influenced me more than any others. Amazing. Love it. Um, I, second question, and that's inspired by Tim Ferriss. I am, what's a recent purchase under $100 that has a positive impact on your life? So can you repeat that, please? Sure. Uh, a recent purchase, mm -hmm. $100, $100, that uh, impacted uh, in a positive way uh, your life. So um, I think that um, the, uh, um, the thing that I use the most, the, it costs about $200, but uh, are my AirPods. Um, and I didn't use a lot of earphones before, um, but the ease of use and the, the great quality make this product one of the most used products by me, I think by, you know, hundreds of millions of people. But it's, it's no, uh, it's, it's pretty obvious why. It's, it's something that you use every day, I use every day, and makes my life uh, better in a, in a very visible way. For sure. The, the AirPods Pro or the tiny ones? Uh, the AirPods Pro. Got it. Um, if you could display a message on a giant billboard to the world, what would it say and why? If you're talking about marketing. So, so my agenda <laughs> is, is, um, is always, um, always make an argument based on data. Um, and this is, this is my agenda in in business life, this is my agenda in, in, uh, in, uh, in personal life. Ne never be anecdotal. You hear something, you see something, you, you say, oh, I have a conclusion because I saw that or I felt that. But most of the times you have to absorb a lot of data in order to really decide something or really make a conclusion. So, so my first message is, is base your decisions on real data. That's good. The, uh, second, the second message would be uh, never ignore a hunch. A hunch. A gut hunch. So, yeah. Like a gut feeling. Yes. If you feel something, explore it. Never ignore it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and, and it's, a, it's, it's a bit contradictory, but I think the, 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 the truth is somewhere. Start in the with a hunch and then verify and validate it with, with the data. data. Yeah, <laughs> okay, exactly. love it. That's a good sequence. All right, unfortunately, we're out of, the, out of time, so I guess it's, it will be the, the last question. Um, how has a failure or a parent failure set you up for a later success? Do you have a fa favorite failure story? So, yeah, my life is full of failures. Every, everything that you define as a target and you don't get into it or you don't succeed in getting to it could be a failure, but it's... it's it's, uh, I think that the, the figures I, I experienced usually were in where I wanted to uh, get promoted fast or I wanted to, to start doing something new or be them, you know, in, in, in workplaces, in different career, in the career path, uh, I was always wanted to move up fast and it not always succeeded. I wanted to be uh, appointed, you know, the... I was a director, I wanted to be a VP. I was a, a team, team leader, I wanted to be the director. I always wanted to move fast. So be patient. Macro patience, micro speed. And I, I sometimes I failed in that. I didn't get this promotion. I didn't yeah. get to where I wanted. And I had to work harder. Um, and, and, and I always saw it as a failure. Like, why can't I, why can't I move faster? Um, and, uh, and I think that the, it's a good lesson for life. Like there, there are, you know, there are times for, for when you're ripe for something, uh, you, you have enough experience or you have enough, um, uh, you have enough social proof or, mm -hmm. or you just have the right timing. And, and, and it's always something to, to uh, I look back in all those failures and I say, okay, did I succeed eventually? Did I get to where I want eventually? And the answer is, Yes, I had to work harder. I had to wait a few years. I had to uh, try in another company, but it's always uh, uh, something that if I if I if I aimed for something, I I got there eventually, 
And, and I think that it's a good lesson of, of not just to, to be patient because it's not my message here, but some, some, maybe some perspective. I was very young, I wanted something. Stay out, patient, out. I, me- I meant in the macro, yeah. in the macro, stay patient. I, and, and I wanted things that are out of my reach or mm-hmm. I would have failed in if I would have done it back then. So this is my message here. For, for the younger folks <laughs> out there. Okay, Tomer, it's a great way, it's a great tip uh, to end and wrap up the podcast. Thank you very much for being here. I really enjoyed it. Where the listeners and the audience can find more about Addressable besides the, the Twitter? So it's addressable.io. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, uh, I'd love to. I'm also uh, uh, very accessible over Twitter mm-hmm. uh, and uh, would love to chat. So uh, yeah, you could find us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. You can find us on our website. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Tomer, and thanks everyone that watched. Thank you for having me.